With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show. Welcome back to our big broadcast, coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher. We are getting it going today. A little under the weather, but we're going to make it work today. We've got some great guests lined up. And uh, we're going to start with Vico Confino, and uh, great guest today, fabulous consumer crusader. He's the author of The Wrath of Condo, and uh, we'll talk to him here in a few moments. Thanks for joining us today. We want to bring it to the phone, Vico Confino. Tell us a little bit about The Wrath of Condo. Vico, can you tell us about The Wrath of Condo? Hello, I didn't hear you. Speak again. Vico, tell us about the Wrath of Condo. Well, the Wrath of Condo was a great adventure in my life, something that I never thought I would experience. Uh, this went on the uh, approximately 1973, uh, which will give you listeners a good idea of how condos were established and how the rules and regulations uh, uh, rule the lives of the people that buy into them. Uh, I purchased a condo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I moved down here in 1973. It was an idyllic life, swimming, swimming, playing shuffleboard, going to the clubhouse. Everything went fine until one day I was approached at the poolside while I was relaxing by someone I hadn't met, and he introduced himself as a director. Well, I didn't know what a director was, but he told me he was on the board of directors and that I had committed an infraction. Uh, of the rules, and I asked them, oh, I'm very sorry, I didn't intentionally do it. What did I do? Well, I, we don't allow laundry on your balcony. I said, oh, I, I don't put laundry on my balcony. Oh, yes, we do. We saw it up there. So after making our parting uh, comments, I went into the parking lot, and I looked up to the fourth floor of my apartment, and sure enough, behind the draperies, over a chair, was a towel from the swimming pool. So I, I graciously removed it, and I put it away, and I thought that would end it. Well, a couple of days later, I got another notice. You can't park your car here backwards. I said, well, that doesn't make my sense. Well, it'll ruin the grass. I said, well, there's no grass around my car. It's all uh, blacktop. It doesn't matter. You broke the rules. Well, I started to feel something is wrong here. Maybe uh, I'm the new guy on the block, and I have to be uh, taught a lesson which almost every move I made, it seems that somebody had a complaint about. So I decided I would go to the homeowner station meeting and find out what this condominium was doing. And I found it was unbelievable. Uh, they had a board of directors who was rule- ruling, not governing, ruling, how people's lives should be run when they live in this condominium. So uh, I, I raised my hand to speak, and I was told, no, you can't speak. I said, why not? Well, you have to make an appointment to speak. Oh, okay. I patiently waited, and I made an appointment to speak the next time. I got up, and I said, I don't think it's very fair, number one, that you hold the meetings at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when every all the owners are working and they can't attend them. Well, we'll hold the meetings whenever we please. And they basically read the riot act to me that uh, 
Uh, I should just do as I'm told, and I'll have a very happy life here. Well, it led me to look around the place and notice that the condo was deteriorating for lack of maintenance. The paint was stealing off the buildings, the carpets were mildew, there were cracks in the pool deck, the pool, the pool was leaking water 100,000 100, gallons a month, and I started to ask questions. Well, this did not put me in good with the condominium association. I became condo enemy number one. Well, I was willing to be quiet and, and stay there and enjoy myself, but they were insulting my intelligence, telling me stories that were unbelievable. So I basically went to the water department and I said, you know, this pool is leaking 100,000 gallons a month. I said, there should be a violation. And uh, the condominium responded, well, water is only 25 cents a gallon, so rather than fix it and spend the money, we'd rather just pay the fine for the 100,000 gallons. I said, yeah, but I'm paying the fine. It's part of my maintenance. Well, we carried on to the next situation. Uh, they had a miniature golf course for the residents to play with. One day I walked outside and I saw four men with sledgehammers breaking it up. And I said, what are you doing? That's part of the common elements. In other words, the people who don't have condos know you have your ownership of your condominium, but there are also condo common elements, like the swimming pool, the clubhouse, the boardwalk, and this little golf course. And they are paid for and maintained by the owners. And you cannot arbitrarily just take it away. So I said, well, I, I don't think that's right. You shouldn't be able to do that. Well, I came back the next day, and I found out these four men who were on the board of directors couldn't break up the concrete. So they brought in a truck, and they covered it over with dirt. And they made a little mountain. And they told the people they were putting a beautiful flower pot on there. So waited and waited, and I said, well, you guys, you did this two months ago. Where are the flowers? Well, the flowers didn't live because the concrete is there, and there's no drainage. So little by little, they were taking away the amenities from the owners, and more than that, insulting the owners. So I decided that I would try to become a director and change things for them and give them the benefit of my business experience. But uh, when election time came, I had a lot of people that thought I was doing the right thing. And after the voting was over and the votes would be counted, I found at least 15 or 20 people came over and said they voted for me. But when they counted the votes, they only found 10 votes. I said, something's wrong here. Somebody's lying to me or somebody's choking me. So the next day I went up to the office and asked to see the voting ballots. And I found about 25 ballots where the vote for me had been erased, had been erased, and another unit owner's name had placed in. So they weren't going to let me get on the board of directors. I soon found that. Well, I'll make a long story short, uh, James. I went along with this for two years. It was very aggravating. But I, I decided that I had to do something because my investment was, was going down. Instead of the apartment getting more valuable, it was becoming less valuable because the condo was becoming a slum. The name of the game there was that a lot of the first-time owners who had lived there for over 10 years didn't want to spend any money on making repairs. And I said, that's a foolish thing to say. That's, that's your investment. You want to make repairs. No, we're going to be dead soon, so let the next owner uh, worry about it, which again graded me terribly. I couldn't understand the backward thinking. Well, after two and a half years, I decided I was getting any getting anywhere, so I retained an attorney and I sued the condominium for failing to maintain the property as a unit owner. Now I was only one owner out of 300, and of course the board of directors had their friends, which numbered over 250. So the odds really weren't equal, but I felt they were even as far as I was concerned, because 
I felt what they were doing was wholly wrong, it was illegal, and they would set, be corrected by the court. Well, I waited and waited, and the lawyers fought back and naturally I had to pay my own legal fees. Well, after all of the depositions, the interrogatories, the postponements, the adjournments, which you'll find out is what the lawyers do normally, and they only do it normally, because the longer the case stands in their, stays in their hands, the more money they can charge. And in those days, $125 was a lot of money. That's per hour. Well, my legal fees eventually ran up to $38,000. They were going to do what they said they threatened to do. They were going to break me financially. How long could I keep up this uh, lawsuit if I couldn't pay my lawyer his funds? So I began investigating this recreation area that had all these problems. And I found out that the association had a 99-year recreation lease free as long as they would maintain the property. It still belonged to the developer, and we revert to him after 99 years. Well, for a stroke of luck, and looking through the building department records, I found the owner was in Detroit, Michigan. I was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I contacted him, and he said, hey, I want nothing to do with these people. They sue me. They give me trouble. I said, why don't you do this? Sell me the recreation area, and I'll take care of it. So I bought the entire recreation area, the swimming pool, the shuffleboard, the docks, the sauna, the barbecue area, the tennis courts, the entire recreation area for $7,500. Then I went to my lawyer and I said, now, you know, I want you to write these people a letter and tell them, unless they repair my property, I was going to take it away from them. Well, he sent them the letter, and at the next meeting, I had made a request to speak, and I got up and I said, gentlemen, I tried to negotiate They had their mouths shut. And one man stood up and shouted, he's lying. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't Guys, we have insurance. To to predate a policy because they don't have insurance they're telling people they do so I went to the next step I looked at the other people who had won the election and that I had lost illegally, and I saw that one of the unit owners was living in my building. Uh, he was elected president of the association. So they investigated who he was. He was a real estate broker, et cetera, et cetera. And I looked up the deed to his apartment, and it was in his wife's name. Well, that's illegal. You can't run for the board of directors if your name is not on the lease. So he was there illegally. So I presented that to the board, and he had to leave the, the board of directors. Well, I was the last guy in the election, so I automatically became a board of director. Well, now that I had this power, I went to the uh, legal authorities, and I said, these people are 
violating the law, and I want you people to do something about it. Well, when the condominium directors heard about this, they went crazy. I was the worst person in the world. I was causing them so much trouble. I was causing them a lot of money. And I said, well, if you do things right, it won't cost you anything. And little by little, they just kept on this thing. They called up the radio and TV stations that were making reports on what was going on, and they were going to boycott them and tell everybody not to buy their products if they didn't stop reporting what I was doing in the condominium. Well, the manager of the radio station called them up and said, you don't tell us what to report. We report what we think is right. So that stopped them dead in the tracks there. Eventually, to make a long story short, we finally got the case to, to court. And that's at that time, uh, if I lost, I would be responsible to my attorney for $38,000 in fees. Now, under Florida law, it's a, it says that the loser not only pays his own fees, he has to pay the condominium's fees also. So that would have ended up paying another $40,000, and I would have been out $78,000. Well, let's put it this way. I'm a sore loser. So I dug deeper, and I saw what they were trying to do to me. And when we, we, we got into the court and we explained to the judge that we were ready to go to trial, the judge said, look, I've been looking at this case, and you people really don't have a case. This man doesn't want to live with you people, and you don't want him to live with you. So I'm going to recommend that you go in the next room with the attorneys and buy him out. So I went there, and the attorney negotiated with the condo attorneys, and he came back, and he said, they'll pay you $150,000 for your apartments and a recreation lease. I said, well, I'm sorry, I'm not selling at that price. I said, I want at least $180,000. And the judge says, well, if you don't want to sell to him, then we're going to have to go to trial. And if you lose, you're going to have to do everything he wants because he owns the property. So uh, the, the, the judge ordered them to go back into negotiation, and their attorney said, Your Honor, if we lose, we're going to take this case to the Court of Appeals. Now, I already knew this would take another two years to resolve. The judge said, I don't think the Court of Appeals wants to hear your case. Just go to the other room and negotiate. Well, not less than 30 minutes later, my attorney came back, and he says, Vico, pack your bags. You're out of here. They're going to give you $160,000 to move out of this place. I said, I'm ready to go. So that resolved the situation. Well, when this was over, I had, this has been a fight for seven or eight years, and I was exhausted, and I was upset that the only thing gained was that I won a lawsuit. I really wasn't happy with that. I wanted to expose what this whole scenario was in condominiums with directors and corrupt owners and conspirators. Everything was just like a United States government. They were doing everything illegal and getting away with it. So I decided I would take all of my notes and I would write a book. Being a high school graduate and not have gone to college, I said, I've never written a book, but if I go to the library, I'm sure there's a book on how to write a book. So I went to the library, and sure enough, there it was, how do you write a book? Well, I read the book, and I sat down, and I said, well, I'm going to give myself six months. I'm going to write a book. So I wrote the book, and I took it to a publisher, and it was turned down. And I sent it to five more publishers, and it was turned down. And I asked one of the people in the publishing company, why won't anybody publish my book? 
because you're a first-time author, and there's no guarantee that they can make money with your book. So they're not going to publish it. And example, he said, we just had a book come out by a very famous person, Lee Iacocca, the president of Ford. Now, I go to the bookstores and I said, look, we got this book coming out. It sells for $20. How many books do you want to take in? Well, the bookstore owner says, boy, I can make good money. I'll take 50. And he says, I tell him, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 40, but you've got to take 20 of this Vico Confino's book to get that order. So this is the way the book situation works. Well, after that, I did not really get much return on it, so I decided I would sell it myself. And I called up some talk radio stations, and I said, I'd like to come on your program and be interviewed just like I am today and tell the people the truth. That's all I can do is offer the truth. I'm not an attorney. I've got experience. I've been through it. And whatever I've done, I've done on my own. Well, I got on two or three different stations, and other stations heard it and said, gee, that was a good show. Uh, you really uh, were informing the people of what's going on. But one of the radio talk hosts said, gee, I'd like to have you on again, but I can't. We have a sponsor who's a developer. And he called in and said, I'm canceling all of my ads if you put this guy again, on again. He's ruining our business. So I found out I had three new enemies. The real estate brokers didn't like me because I was telling the truth about how they sold their condos. The developers didn't like me because I was setting a wrong example and letting people know what they were letting themselves for. And, and fourth and only, I was telling actual customers who knew nothing about condominiums what they would look out for. And they started spreading the word that I'm a bad guy, I hate condominiums, and I replied, I love condominiums. They're the most popular and most needed uh, a way of people living together and having the ability to have a swimming pool, a clubhouse, a sauna, and they can live almost like a millionaire and it won't cost them that much. Well, the rumors spread and the radio shows spread. Then TV heard about me. So I did some TV shows. Ultimately, after two years, I did 140 radio TV shows and I felt now it's time for me. I've spread the word. I've done what I can. I'm not getting any younger and I would retire from it. I moved to another city out of Fort Lauderdale and I try to be low profile. I still had radio stations, TV stations calling for doing shows. I said, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I don't make any money out of this. The book was a so-so seller. I probably broke even if I did anything at all. But it made me feel that at least I accomplished something by going through all of this travel with these people. Well, I was up in, in, this, in the new area. I'm not gonna, I can mention the name. It's called Boca Raton. It's about 20 miles from Fort Lauderdale. And I developed uh, malignant melanoma, which is a form of skin cancer. And although I like to go swimming and sunning, uh, I had to stay out of the sun. And I, I went stir crazy. I couldn't find anything to do out of the sun. And one day my wife came to me. She says, there's a little notice in the paper here about uh, a play they're going to put on here at the playhouse. Why don't you go down there? You'll keep busy. You like to do that stuff. I said, what am I going to go down there for? I said, they don't pay anything, and there'll probably be 500 people online. Well, being that I love my, life, my wife so much, and she is very bright, I said, okay, I'll go down. Well, I went down that night for an audition, and when I came back, my wife says, how'd you make out? I said, sweetheart. Only about 10 people showed up, so I didn't get one part. I got two parts. <laughs> I played two parts in the play A Christmas Carol, and I had such fun meeting and talking with these people that it really rejuvenated me. Well, we would go down there for a, a rehearsal at night, 
she said to me, you're Vico Cotfino. I said, yes. Well, I know you. You're the condominium man. I said, please, keep it quiet. I'm finished with that. Oh, no, she said. I read your book. It's terrific. What a great story it would be for a play. I said, I'm not a playwright. Yes, but you know the story. You could do it. Well, after the third time, she bothered me. I said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go to the library. I'll get a book how to write a play. I'll give myself one year. If I can't do it, will you stop bothering me? She said, that's fine. She says, just write a synopsis of what you'd like the story to be. And I know the theater critic for one of the local newspapers. We will do a little presentation to him. And if he likes it, you will have to finish it. I said, okay, never thinking that he will like it, because who am I? I'm not a playwright. But we go to this woman's house, and we give him a, a little show. And when it's finished, he says, well, where's the rest of it? I said, there is no rest of it. This is it. He says, well, it, it's a great concept. That should, it's a satirical comment, uh, play. People should laugh, because I am a tongue-in-cheek kind of guy. I always feel a, a little humor uh, helps to sell anything you're doing. And uh, I said, okay, give me six months to a year, and I'll finish the play. Well, I finished the play, and I, now I had to find a playhouse to put the play on. Where was I going to put it on? So I submitted the scripts to the playhouse production directors, producers, and I got rejected by all of them. And being inquisitive, I called one of the bigger playhouses, and I said, sir, can you tell me why am I, my script being rejected? He says, let me tell you the truth, Mr. Convenio. I get 10 scripts a week like this. Nine and a half of them go in the garbage, he says. I don't have time to read these scripts. And that's why your script is not important to us. I said, well, okay, I'm glad you told me. I can understand that. So I decided I would start calling on different playhouses myself in person. One day I'm walking along this place in, uh, where is it now, in Coral Springs, Florida, in the general area, and I see a playhouse Opus Playhouse, and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I see the door is open. So I walk inside, and I hear somebody singing from inside the theater. I walk in there, and there's a man on the stage, and he's auditioning for something. Well, when it comes to it turns out that he is the producer of the Playhouse, and he grants me some time to tell him. So I tell him about my play and my script. He says, you know, it's a coincidence. That's been the story of my life, a coincidence. He said, why don't you let me look at the script, he says, and I'll see if it has any value, because we are looking for a first-time playwright. Can you imagine that? First-time play playwright walks into a, a playhouse that's looking for me. So I give him the script, and I come back a week later, and I said, well, what did you think? He says, I like it, but you're missing about 10 minutes in the first act, about 10 minutes on the second act, and maybe five minutes. Take it back, enlarge it, make it a nice three-act play, and I'll see what I can do with it. Well, during the meetings with this other person, this Hollywood actress, she introduces me to a retired gentleman who used to play piano in the movie houses that had silent movies. He was an elderly man. They didn't have sound, so he would play the piano. And I was introduced to him, and he said, would you like me to write some music for your play? I said, great, write some music. So I did the lyrics, he did the music, and now we had a musical satire about condominium life. Now the point was to sell tickets. So I made an arrangement with the owner of the Playhouse that I will handle the tickets, having worked most of my life in selling and sales presentations. And after about, let's see, it came in about two months, I sold out the entire theater 12 times, 12,000 tickets, 
took in over $20,000, and the play hadn't, wouldn't be produced for another two to three weeks. It was in rehearsal. When the producer of this heard that I had sold out the theater, and I'll tell you, talk about humor, in this theater there were four handicapped seats. When I ran out of seats, I sold those seats, and he said, you can't do that, it's against the law. They are reserved for handicapped people. I said, yeah, but there's nobody there. He said, sorry, they have to stay empty. I thought that was quite funny. Anyway, to go on with it, it came to a week before the play to go on. It's ready to be shown. And the producer comes to me and he says, I want the money. I said, what do you mean you want the money? He says, the agreement was I hold the money until after the play is produced. And then we split up, as we agreed, how much you get and how much I get. He says, no, I'm canceling the play tonight. Well, you can see where that leaves me. If I don't give him the money, there is no play. And I have to return $20,000 to all of these customers. So reluctantly, I hand over the money to him. And he shows his true colors. Rather than Mr. Nice Guy, he's a mean, nasty guy who has a reputation for dealing with people this way. And he gets away with it. So the fact is that on opening night, with all of these hundreds of people in there, he bars me from seeing the play myself. I cannot see the play. I have to wait outside until it's over. Anyway, I do hear the applause. I do hear people ask. I uh, enlisted some friends to picket his theater. Refuses, the producer refuses to pay playwright his, his fee. You can't do anything about it. So I felt, well, that's it. I'm not going to get any money. Uh, I went to my lawyer. I said, negotiation. We're to meet at my lawyer's office to settle this problem and split up the money. Well, as I'm walking into the negotiation, he sees me and he comes over to me and he says, why don't we settle this like men and go downstairs? Are you crazy? What do I want to fight you for? He says, well, that's the way you settle these problems. I said, not I. I don't settle them that way. And we went into negotiation. I went to my lawyer. I said, take whatever they'll give you. I'm not interested in this anymore. Accept it, end it, and over. Well, we ended up settling for $1,500 instead of $10,000. And I gave my lawyer. His bill was $1,000. I gave the gentleman that wrote the music $300. And I gave some of the actors in the play to pay for their costume $200. I balanced out the book, zero plus zero equals zero. And I was completely happy. At least it was off my agenda, and I could forget about it. Now I'm starting to get calls. The play was written up in a local newspaper. From now, other theaters are interested. And I, I, maybe I'm a little too emotional. I don't know. Uh, I said, now, why should I be the, the uh, jester for all these people to have fun? at my expense. So I put the play in an envelope, I put it in a shelf in the closet, and it's been there for 25 years. So the play is sitting there, maybe someday some theater will come along and say, we'd like to do your play, and we'll have it done again. Maybe it won't. But anyway, I, I've had a great adventure.
I set two world records. I'm the only condominium owner to be paid $160,000 to move out of a condominium, and I'm the only condominium owner to own the entire recreation area. So I'm settling for two world's records. It makes me feel pretty good. It didn't last forever, but, you know, when you get a little older, and I'll, I'll give you my age now so you'll know how age catches up to you. I am 82 years old. I feel like I'm 42 years old, and I'm perfectly happy to live the enjoyable life that I came to Florida for. My book can be had now that I've sold out all the copies. I said, what good is a book if an author's words cannot be read for the people who are meant to help? So I had it put up on the Internet for free. F-R-E-E. A million dollars worth of my knowledge, free. All you have to go to is freecondobook.com. The entire book with the uh, cartoons and make you laugh, make you cry, but make you more educated. It's there on the Internet for you to read. The ball is in your court now. If you own a condo, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're thinking of buying a condo, you'll learn what the pitfalls are. And if you're thinking of selling a condo or trapped in a condo, maybe some of the ideas I had will help you get out of a condo. But other than that, hey, things are great for me. It's just another day in paradise, and I'll keep going on my way. Uh, if another situation comes up, I'm ready for it. I have the knowledge, I have the ability, and I have the experience, and I enjoy doing it. So if you have any questions, you can email them to me. I'm happy to help anybody I can. Uh, you can email to info at vicoconfino.com. I'm sure you can find my name spelled somewhere in there, V-I-C-O-C-O-N-F-I-N-O. If I can help you with anything, I don't appreciate being insulted. Uh, I don't appreciate being called names. And uh, those are the people that I'm not interested in speaking to. But if you truly are sincerely set with a problem that I may be able to help you with, I will do my best to do it because that's what makes me happy. So... Well, good I stuff. Back to you now, yes. James, and if you have any questions for me, I'll be glad to answer them. Well, we've actually run out of time, my friend. Thanks for being with us today. Well, it was great being with you, James, and uh, look forward to doing it again. I have a lot of other great things happening. Definitely. In my life. Definitely. I can tell you how you can get two Teslas for ten thousand dollars, which is about free, and I know it can be done because I got it. You know what a Tesla is. Yes, That's indeed. Well, we've run out of time. We've run out of time. Okay. I, I will talk to you soon. Thank okay. you, man. We're going to take a break. Come back later. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.